If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Josh Whittacombe. And I'm Rob Beckett. Welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell, the show in which Rob and I discuss what it's like to be a parent during lockdown, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, in an effort to make some kind of sense of the current situation... And to make me feel better about my increasingly terrible parenting skills... Each episode we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how well they're coping. Or hopefully not. And we will be hearing from you, the listener, with your tales of lockdown parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, none of us know what we're doing. Hello, and you are listening to Lockdown Parenting Hell with... One second, Rob. Sorry, Josh, I was too eager for you. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit calmer than I was on Tuesday today. That's good. Calm down a bit. Bit more zen. Bit more zen. Just, I just, sometimes I just feel so alive, Josh, and there's not enough time or enough words to express that. Um, so I, I scream into a pillow. That's good. That's the main thing, that you've got an outlet. Yeah. yeah. Ready? Yeah. Can you say Rob Beckett? Oh, there you go. Strong delivery there. That is a two and a half year old, Flory Knight. Flory's a nice name. Flory Saying Knight. something that vaguely resembles your names. I thought it was quite good. We're living in Portugal and away from family. Your podcasts keep us going and laughing our heads off. We love you guys. We hope Flory can introduce one of your podcasts. She has. Yeah. Flory Knight sounds like the name of like someone associated with the craze. Flory Knight turned out of a shooter. <laughs> How are you, Rob? Yeah, good. We're sort of getting into our rhythm a bit. We've schooled. The house is slowly getting cleaner and tidier. The big piles of admin are getting sorted out. We're slowly getting our life back, Josh. How's it How's good. it going in Casa del Widdicombe? Good, good, fine. Uh, do you know what? I think we should just get into the emails, Rob. It's the lockdown parody mailbag. But it's actually emails and there's no bag. Do you want some World Cup emails? Um, yes, yeah, so this is about um, dealing with a newborn and a huge international sporting tournament. Yes. Hi, Rob and Josh. I had an absolute result. This is from Kane Harmon. I had an absolute result with my now two-year-old boy. He was born on the 3rd of July, 2018. Specifically, he was born during the first minute of penalties, England v. Colombia. Oh, oh, that was the greatest summer of my life. And mine. Love Island was peak Love Island. That, that's not that's not the reason it was mine, but yes. Uh, it was great. You you had the football and then straight into Love Island. My It was the best eve. Oh, my God, I loved it. Sorry, Josh. They've had a baby. <laughs> In the first minute of the penalties, England v. Columbia, while I missed the penalties, my wife had insisted on watching the game during the labour. Oh, it's take your mind off it, I suppose. Well, exactly. Unfortunately, our stream was slower than the person down the hall in maternity ward. Oh, So no. we knew Harry Kane was about to score. Oh, that's good and bad, isn't it? I remember when you used to watch in like in this World Cup when the back windows are open and back doors are open. And if someone's watching it on like analog and someone's watching it on Sky, yeah. analog always got it first. Well, and we I watched England v Argentina in the 2002 World Cup in our student bar. One of the TVs was faster than the other one. So we were behind the other half of the bar. It takes away all the anticipation. What did she say? How did it affect her birth? Oh, this is from the, the dad. It doesn't. Oh, right. They said about the slower stream, he said, but then the reason he's emailed is I then had a whole month of paternity leave. 
I watch every game while feeding, changing, and lulling our newborn sleep. That's what I'm saying, Josh. That you're gonna watch so much, and you could just you just learn, have to learn to take shifts when the games are on. Well, yes, I agree. Can I suggest something? Have you got an iPad? Uh yeah, I've got an iPad. Right. Here's what you're gonna do. You want to get a buggy that's got a flat bit, so you can put the iPad on the buggy. Yeah. And then you can sync it up to your phone and use that as a hotspot. And then you can stream the game because it's normally all on free to view, isn't it? Yeah, ITV or it BBC. Is. Watch it on the iPad and push the kid around the park. Oh, my And then word. when the baby's asleep, sit on a bench with the iPad in front of you. Yes, please. Oh, my God. And word. Bluetooth headphones. Thank you very much. I've made your summer. Josh, can I gonna send you this? This is... We've had we've had two things come in. This is quite Josh Widdicombe heavy. Um, oh, no. Take me back to the salty Josh Widdicombe days, but um, no one's come in with any more salt recently. But no. this is well, it's because I haven't been out, isn't it? Je- <laughs> the bloke at the tip will hate you though. Yeah. He turned up, didn't book in, thinking he's all the big and been running red lights. <laughs> Who does he think he is? And this is Jess Appleton. I'm really resenting the glee with which Josh chucked in Plymouth 143 yesterday on Tuesday's episode. I'm married to the manager of the team they beat, and fuck me. What? Sunday was a tough day on the conversation, bro. No way. So who did you beat? Uh, I can't even remember who we beat. Oh, this is going to go down badly with with Jess Appleton. You can't even remember that you beat her husband's team. Oh, well, if she's called Jess Appleton, then the manager's Michael Appleton, isn't it? Yeah, so who does he manage? We beat Lincoln 4-3. He's doing ah. fine. Lincoln are doing very well. They're second in the league. Well, he doesn't like losing, though, because she said Sunday was a tough down the conversation front. Luckily, we have a TV in five-month-old to fill the silence. Oh, my word. So that really hit home to a listener. Now, this, Josh, I'm going to send this to you. Um, it's um, a doll that's for sale. So, hi, Rob and Josh. Loving the podcast. Listening from Dublin. Usually when I get out for a run to escape my husband's six-year-old son. Um, it's my son's birthday in April, so we've been browsing the Smith's website for a present for him. Came across this Josh lookalike. I feel it's a striker resemblance. All the best with the new baby, Josh. He could turn out like this little guy. Absolutely fucking amazing. That is so that good. That is exactly you and the exact same hair, but I th- I've never seen you in shorts. Are you a shorts guy? I... Not unless I'm on holiday. Or uh, actually, uh, well, obviously exercising, I wear shorts. No, but like leisure in the summer UK. Well, I would. Yeah, I will. But I, I never feel totally comfortable in the... Uh, Why in the, not? In, I've, got very, I've got very pale legs, Rob. Yeah, but you shouldn't worry about that. Everyone else, we're, we're British. Of course we're going to no, be weird Rob, if they're brown. I bet, you, I bet you my legs are paler than yours. What would you be more insecure about? Absolutely bronzed Adonis legs and nothing else. Everything else pale. What do you mean nothing else? How dare you? Well, just like, that's the only thing that's that's brown. (laughs) Like, you feel self-conscious that they're pale, but it'd be weirder if they were perfectly bronze. It would. It would. I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Have you ever been to Thailand? (laughs) I haven't been to Thailand, Rob. Have you? Yeah. It's so hot, mate. Too hot for polo shirts. (laughs) (laughs) So do you enjoy a flip-flop? I just find they're... they're I I used to love a flip-flop. Now I'm a slider guy. You're a slider guy? I wear sliders on holiday. I wouldn't wear sliders out and about, but I used to wear flip-flops and espadrilles out and about a lot. We spoke about my dog shit espadrille experience, didn't we? Yeah, we I've did. I've not really worn we them did. since that. But what I've learned is when you have kids, you ca- you have to have a sturdy bit of, bit of footwear because you don't know where you're going to end up in a day. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you, when you're young with no kids, you can just go to the pub with flip-flops on. I haven't got a care in the world. But when there's a kid involved, there's all sorts. They tread on them. You roll over your foot with the wheel of the pushchair. You've oh. got to go with a hardy foot. Hardy oh, shoe. Yeah, um, fair enough. Hi, Rob and Josh. I've heard lots of people writing in about their kids' early rising and wanted to share a hack we stumbled across recently with our almost two-year-old. She tends to wake around 6, 6.15, so not too bad, but not ideal for a weekend, mum and dad lying. Ever since she was a baby, we've used a Bluetooth speaker to play white noise into her room. And a few weeks ago, she got massively into the Gruffalo. I decided to try playing the audio book through the speaker. And when she woke up and started to call for us, it worked like a charm. Now, she'll happily sit in her cot for another half an hour, 45 minutes, listening to a story while we reconcile ourselves to getting up. Not sure how it would work with kids who are not in a cot anymore, but wanted to pass on anyone with little early rises. It is. This is from Rachel. It's a great idea because when they start to get a bit annoyed, they go, oh, the Gruffalo, and just listen to an audio book. And that's sort of educational, isn't it? Yeah, that is really, you know, we've got one of those things that plays the audio books, but when we got it, we played it and then she'd go to sleep and that got her into a waking up in the night situation. So we had to stop using it 
Well, have you got that box that you put an actual figure of an animal on, like a, an actual Gruffalo figure, and it plays the Gruffalo? No, it's and kind you of take what, it on. I think it's called Yolo. Um, it's good. It's really good because it does the you know the old Sun and the Moon thing as well. It's got that. Oh, that one. Now we've got a thing called a Tony. Is it called a Tony? I don't know. Tonys, that's what they're called, right? It's a box, yeah, and it's a speaker, but you can control it from your phone. But they get little figures, so like little like mini figures of things, whether they're like a um a, a pepper pig gruffalo, pepper pig, whatever. And as you put it on, it plays an episode of the gruffalo, plays an episode. So you can get like Aladdin, Lion King, all sorts of different stories and characters. And you can also get ones where you can record messages to them and read them a book yourself. So if you're away at work, you could record it and send it to like bluetooth but they're really good and they can control them as well then so you could give them a little figure in the morning but i think the key there is they're still in a cot yeah it, it's, it's such a game changer the cot keep them in the cot for as long as possible well you say that ellis james's sleep problems his child's sleep problems were completely solved by the move to the bed really yeah so you remember when we spoke to him and it was all going badly i mean badly is an understatement <laughs> They moved him to the bed straight onto the seven seven thirty wake-ups. I think, really, it's just a game of luck. I think that's the thing. You can send yourself mad with science, but it's ultimately a game of luck, isn't it? But you can try. It makes yourself feel better that you've got, an, you've got a plan. Anyone that's got a surefire tip on a child, it's not surefire. Well, we're going to find out with your new child and the no-stroke technique to get him to sleep. Oh, can't wait to bring back the no-stroke. Didn't work the first time. Can it work the second time? Josh, I've got yes. a question, and a lot of the podcast listeners have got the same question. Yes. Has Rose sent the two-year-old Christmas presents to no, her cousins no, in Nottingham? No, she hasn't sent the two-year-old Christmas presents at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. For people that aren't aware of what we're doing, Josh, and they're new to it, Rose has presents for her cousins she hasn't sent from two years ago. Is that right? Two years ago, uh, Christmas 2018. Yes, and you've basically put the threat out that as every week goes by, if she hasn't sent them, we will open one of the presents. So we opened... David's tiny karaoke microphone last week. Have you had presents from them at Christmas? Yeah, oh yeah, they've we've still been receiving their presents. <laughs> oh, oh my god, this is even worse. So yeah. they are still sending you Christmas presents, but you still haven't sent any since 2018, and now we're opening them. Yeah. Poor David. This is David's mum, uh Lindsay. Lindsay. So this is Rose's auntie? Rose's auntie. Oh. Do you know what, Rob? It's a solid gift. Oh, what is it? What's Lindsay got? It's only a reusable coffee cup. Aren't all coffee cups reusable? No, like a, a like a one that you take to the coffee shop with the lid. Oh, all right, I thought you meant like a mug. Like, <laughs> you've been just launching crockery in the bin. I'm like Jay Z, mate. My mug's a box fresh. <laughs> I've got 99 mugs and reusing one. I give up. I panic. Yeah, right, you're fine. It's fine. We knew where we were going. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a reusable or oh, is it is it Bluetooth? Is it heated or is it just a classic reusable? No, it's a classic. It's um it's Sol is the is the brand. It's a nice oh. brand. Uh it's a glass reusable coffee cup. Oh, glass is dangerous. Glass is dangerous. It's gonna crack in the bag and it, that's never gonna get through the postal system to Nottingham. But you're right, Rob. It did never get through the post system to Nottingham. <laughs> That's not a bad present, actually. No. That's, that's, not, that's not too bad, is it? So you've got the... I think we should play a new game where what you do is you leave the present... We, once we've opened them all, we leave them all out on your wall at the front of your house oh, and see what goes first. What goes first? Oh, we could have a sweepstake on it. And we could set up a live stream. That's what we should do, Josh. Oh. We should put them at the front of your house, right, and then set up through your window by the front door an iPad live streaming on Instagram and then leave it running for, like, all day and see what goes first. That'd be a fun thing to do, wouldn't it? That would be fun. Am I an influencer? That'd be fun. I think we should do that with them all at the end. All right. I'll put them in a pile. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. I've got no idea where the microphone is, but I'll find it. Are are you tempted to use any of the stuff like the microphone or the the mug? Well, the mug is genuinely useful. Obviously, the microphone is a complete piece of shit. (laughs) How many presents have we got left out of interest? Four or five. Oh, my God. How many cousins has she got? So she's got probably four or five cousins and then the parents. Oh, right. Okay. So there's a lot of Nottingham crew. A lot of Nottingham crew. I'm not going to lie, Rob. This is going to get us through to the reopening of the pubs, content-wise. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Um, I've got a good email here, Josh, we can finish on before we introduce the Gabby of Logan. Um, Rebecca Fennell has said, Hey, Josh and Rob, your stories of kids mispronouncing things reminded me of one of my son's tennis lessons when he was five. His tennis coach was called Jemima. 
And on one occasion, when I dropped him off, I heard kids from the previous lesson say goodbye. I nearly died laughing when I heard not one little voice, but two in succession as they were oh, twin girls pipe up and say to the coach, bye-bye, vagina, <laughs> instead of Jemima. Um, and also, around age three, four, my son could not pronounce treats and after dinner would always ask for his tits. My son oh, just wow. turned 18 in lockdown. So hang in there, guys. They do eventually grow up. Love the podcast. Been isolating alone through lockdowns. So you've generally kept me laughing. Thank you. Much love, Bex. Wow. Thank That's you, nice Bex. Thanks, I mean, Bex. as soon as you said Jemima, oh. I was going through the Rolodex. I, I, I won't lie. I had the right answer before it came up, Rob. Yeah, you was on V before I finished Jemima. Yeah. Do you know what I thought the other day? We never say, this is how you get in touch. And please leave us uh, iTunes reviews. So please do leave us five-star iTunes reviews. It does help. The amount that Peter Crouch has got is fucking inhumane. <laughs> I love how petty you get about stuff like that. You love it. You love comparing and contrasting. Can't yeah. believe it. But we should say the email address. Oh, yeah. Go on. Well, is it hello at lockdownparenting.com? I'll be honest with you, mate. I've got no idea. No, but people do get in touch. I think I it's in the how. description. It's in the description. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like the dark web they find out our, in, yeah. our email. I don't even know what it is. Either that or Michael's writing all these, in which case it's <laughs> yeah. a hell of an imagination. Who cares? If it gets us the numbers up, it gets the numbers up. Um, this has got a nice ending because previously we spoke about when my wife had to go into hospital for like a week or so and talking to children about their parents being unwell and the best way to do it. This one's from Sarah Hoddy. This may be a little long, but it's got a happy ending and would help answer how to tell children mummy or daddy is ill. When I was five, my sister was one. My dad was diagnosed with pelvic cancer. Obviously at this age, I wasn't quite sure what was going on, but within a month of my dad being diagnosed, he had to have his leg and half of his pelvis removed. Jesus. He was in hospital for a long time and my mum told me my, my my sister that he had gone on a long holiday when he came back he had no limb so my parents thought it would be a good idea to tell us that he had wrestled a shark and won a competition <gasps> but lost his How leg in the, the battle at this age five and one. Oh wow so you know it's hard to try to explain yeah, yeah, the pelvic cancer to a five-year-old i mean so Anyway, they've told him. They've told them that he went and had a fight with a shark, and he won, but lost his leg. When I got to primary school, I was so proud that my dad wrestled a shark that I told everyone in my class. This inadvertently caused a lot of the other kids to become scared of the sea. To which, to which point, my parents told me what really happened, and he had a horrible disease, so that the children wouldn't be scared of the sea anymore. Oh my god. Um, and this is a nice and Sarah says my dad has been cancer free for 22 years and rocks my world oh that's nice that's nice nice story but yeah the old shark fight but he did lose his other leg to a shark which was a terrible <laughs> a terrible turn of events terrible turn of events he lost his other leg to a shark should we introduce Gabby Logan this was a fun interview this I love Gabby Logan and also what's interesting about these is you don't know what direction they're going to go in and no I didn't realise we'd just spend so long talking about her just having a very tall son. Yeah. <laughs> we spent a lot of time on that, didn't we? Uh, it was a great yeah. episode, though. Great Enjoy episode. it and rate and review and email us. And also, if someone could email us and tell us what our email address is, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Drop it into the emails. What's our email address? <laughs> uh, Gabby Logan, hello. I mean, Hi. we've started. We've kind of started. Um, how are you? Um, actually, I know you're not supposed to say this. I'm all right. You're all right. Good. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm quite good. I've had yeah? a good start to the week. Everything seems to be... I shouldn't... I'm tempting fate now, aren't I? Yeah, but you've, but, got, um... you've got an athlete's mentality, though, haven't you? Yeah. That's the thing. You've got... I'd say... I'd say... I've always... I've said this just before we started interviewing you, because, you know, you was in the Commonwealth Games and stuff. You, you're like... You've got athlete's mentality, but to broadcasting. And it, you're just so <laughs> efficient, so good at it, and just so switched on. Because I, I, we bumped into each other quite a lot at different corporate hosting events. And yeah. you just... It's like... You're like, a, you're like a broadcast machine. You're just on it. It's, it's so impressive that you're Meanwhile, so... Meanwhile, Beckett's pacing up and down backstage. <laughs> yeah. Like, bloody hell. What am I going to do? did was probably yeah. the last corporate I did with people because that was like mid-February last year. Yes, it was. It was like, a, I think it was a com yeah, some sort of company conference you yeah, were hosting. they just booked me again for next year. They booked you, I'm joking. Oh. They haven't <laughs> for next year. No, um, they haven't booked me again. <laughs> yeah, but I think they have a different comedian every time. Oh, okay. Um, well, why don't they have a different host every time? Surely. <laughs> I've done it for they... 10 years, that gig, right? <laughs> so, oh, still um... rubbing it in. 
I'm it's all right for you, Rob. I've never fucking done it, mate. <laughs> be doing it next year, Josh, right? Doing it we've had McIntyre, we've had Bishop, we've had we've had the whole you know, the yeah. whole gamut. Yeah. So you'll yeah, be Yeah, so if they cut the budget, you might get a call next year, Josh. <laughs> um, anyway, Gabby, let's have, let's have a chat about your setup at home with kids. What's your, what's the kids' setup? So uh, the setup is I've got twins who are fifteen. They'll be sixteen yeah. in the summer. So they're they're in the year of no GCSEs. That was a big night in our house when Boris slipped oh, that into it. Oh, no wonder you're speed. all right. They've got no GCSEs and <laughs> they're still sufficient. So what, how does it work? <laughs> well, they have got GCSEs, but they've still not been told what is going on. So they just have to keep working really hard. They had to actually, they were both due to sit at the beginning of January, their maths GCSE early, just something idiosyncratic that both their schools do. They're at separate schools, a girls' school and okay. a boys' school. And so they managed to sit those, even though we'd locked down. So they have had the experience of going into an exam hall, sitting yeah. in GCSE. Uh, according to you know what we've heard, there's no GCSEs, but there's going to be some kind of assessment going on. So oh. everything they do, they're trying to do obviously the best they've ever done because they think this might count now. So it's brilliant because they literally they go online at about half eight, <laughs> emerge for food sometime around twelve thirty, and then go back on to about four, and then they're like zombies because they're just on screens all day. Um, so so um so I mean I do feel for them because it is hard yeah, hard being on a yeah. screen all day and also hard learning like that you know because it's not it's not the best way is it to to, to be learning. Of course. But um at least they know you know they're focused. I think two years ago if they were thirteen I'd have no chance. You know what I mean? There'd yeah, be an yeah. Xbox on the floor. There'd be you know kind of uh, one ear would have the the school on the other ear would probably have some music or their mates on. Now they're they're a bit more serious about things. So, so in the world of top trump, I was going to say in the world of top trumps of parenting in lockdown because people always say oh it's difficult like this or that i'd say well, would you say that having two that are doing gccs that have been cancelled is probably it's a pretty cushy gig as parenting <laughs> in lockdown goes it's, it i have to um, oh yeah it is i mean i can't <laughs> <laughs> i can't i'm trying to dress it up but you know the stress it's very stressful um <laughs> Because obviously the GCSEs were going to be a big stress this summer, yeah. for us, weren't they? Having two kids doing GCSEs at the same time, I was thinking for two years. I've been thinking, oh my god, this is. And then last summer, of course, when all the big sporting events got knocked back to this year, I was then, oh my god, I'm not even going to be at home when they do their GCSEs because they're oh, managing god. to slot it in all these. Now uh, they're probably going to cancel this summer sporting events. <laughs> I'm going to be home, and they've got no GCSEs. The worst part of it is for teenagers that they have no social life. You know, so yeah. you are there everything, and obviously. Some days that's a good thing, and other days you're the worst person that's ever walked on the planet, you know. So, <laughs> so, you, so your ego takes a big bashing, kind of on an almost daily basis. If you but, had to change your way you relate to them in a way, have you had to offer a more matey vibe? I've noticed my son <laughs> calling me things like chief and mate. Which is like, <laughs> <laughs> chief. He went, oh, chief. Um, and, <laughs> Okay. Um, um, and so that he's, I mean, he's just, he's quite a character anyway. So considering they're twins, they could not be more polar opposite, right? So they are an absolute, you know, kind of human experiment. He is six foot five. He eats almost nine. Already? Yeah. Uh, how old is he? 15. And he's six, um, six foot five. five. Yeah. And so oh that takes God. a lot of fuel, right? God. So my big thing wow. is food. I'm, I'm terrified if he called me chief. <laughs> How tall is Kenny, Gabby? Um, he's just over six foot. I mean, he used to say six one in the programmes when he played but rugby. No chance. And I was always, yeah, yeah. six foot, mate. And um, <laughs> so Ruben, Ruben's friends all think he's an experiment that we did as some kind of like, um, they call him the human sporting experiment that we kind of tried to create an Uber athlete. Or um, and so he's really big and eats a lot. And that's the biggest challenge with him is keeping him fueled, you know, because he's... Yeah. Yeah. Take, me through, take me through his, uh, his food for a day. No, no, Normally you'd ask this if someone had a one-year-old, but could you yeah. just take no, me well, through his meals? The thing, right? When they're little, you want them to eat all the time, don't you? You go, come yeah. on, eat your food, eat your food. Now I'm going, surely you don't need a steak at nine o'clock. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that fillet of beef's gone. I only bought it yesterday. He's, he'll have um, breakfast could be ed genuinely anything from tuna and noodles to a steak to um, eight shredded wheat. It could be, I'm going to say, it could be anything like that. Then there's a mid-morning. There's always some kind of smoothie being blended about yeah. 11 maybe a tuna wrap and then lunchtime he will have anything from you know the whole bags of fresh pasta he'll kind yeah. of have one of those with some chicken breasts or chicken kiev or something or some vegetables then there's a mid-afternoon snack before he goes in the gym <laughs> and then and then there's the evening meal which he you know deems to eat with the rest of us um and then <laughs> and then late before bed another meal is made and created and 
I said to him the other night when he was making his pre-bed meal, I was like, do you have to have this one? And he said, mum, I wake up at three in the morning and I've got like cramps. I'm so hungry if I don't eat now. So wow. I just can't relate to it. You know what I mean? I just, yeah. Because I'm like 47. My metabolism has almost stopped. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh, oh, a Maltese. That'll see me till tea time. Um, but, but he's just hungry and obviously doing a lot of activity. So that is the hardest part. The first lockdown, I found that the biggest challenge, that they didn't just want a snack. I'll have a, like another car. I don't want a piece of rice cake for my lunch. Yeah, you know? yeah. But he, the first lockdown, I was like, oh my God, I'm making so many meals all the time. But this lockdown, I've, I've stepped back from the cooking. Right. And how much exercise is he doing a day? Normally he does loads, right? So he's he's playing sport, he's playing he's a rugby player and he's playing rugby. He's got to do his own training now, obviously. So he's yeah. um, he'll go out and he'll shoot some hoops for about an hour and then he'll go <laughs> for an hour um, and he'll go for a walk, you know. So he's really good at getting out, actually, you know, and kind yeah. of, you know, doing the maximum in terms of what he's allowed to do socially, you know. So yeah. he'll, he'll go and meet a mate for a bike ride or something and, you know. So he is normally very, very active. It must be quite difficult for people who are 15 or into sport and stuff now because that's really been taken away, right? Yeah, and you know what? I noticed the it's the testosterone, isn't it? You know, it's that kind of release of kind of yeah, getting out. Yeah. If you're used to going around and bashing into people and all that kind of stuff. So he, he was much more mild-mannered <laughs> when he was playing lots of sport. Yeah. He took all that. And then there's a peaks and troughs. You know, you don't know which one you're going to get, which one's going to come down the stairs. Because you need an outlet. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do. And Kenny's beyond wrestling with him. You know, that's those days are gone. <laughs> <laughs> what, what age did he overtake Kenny? What age? Um, did height he... wise, yeah, about twelve, I think. Um, wow. But physical wise, there's still there's still a bit of a you know there was still a bit of a match in the summer, but that's gone. That is oh, really? gone. Yeah. Has, has Kenny so, accepted that though? Does he yeah, know? I mean, you know when the, you know when the bareback kind of just bows out and w- walks backwards into the bushes. Yeah. In the, in the <laughs> it's that kind of, the silverback, sorry, not the bareback. Bareback's <laughs> like, we yeah, don't want that. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Such an exciting lockdown here. <laughs> the silverback, sorry. Um, yeah. But my daughters, um, so they're twins, obviously. So she, she's three foot. <laughs> Yeah, you know which one got all the yeah. food in the womb. Like, the centre got dominated by Ruben. <laughs> she's actually she's actually five nine. She's taller than me, so I am the t- I'm the smallest in the family. But um, but she's really lucky because where we live, she horse she's she's a horse rider. She does show jumping, so she she competes normally all the time. Mm. She's got she's got her. We allowed her to bring. Well, we didn't allow. It's much better actually to have them here. She started to bring her horses home in the summer into the house. Well, <laughs> she's actually. <laughs> She actually only had one. She had one horse. Suddenly we got four. When I allowed her to bring one home, she went, it needs a friend, right? So she picked up this, like, really cheap little kind of, you know, um, the, almost like the Steptoe and Son of the Pony World. You know, it arrived yeah. kind of, like, looking bedraggled, and she's going to turn it into a champion, apparently. And then she's got a foal, which is a project, and then she's got a Shetland. So she just, morning, noon, and night, in between her lessons, she's outside. It becomes totally addictive. My parents yeah. had one horse when we moved to Devon. At one point, it got up to 12. Oh, don't when tell I was me that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because the thing is, from <laughs> yeah. my point of view, someone having a horse, like, so I grew up in South East London, like, you know, having horses, I always think of it as sort of like, you know, like as sort of the super rich person type of thing. But, Josh, you're, you're not, like, from money, as it were, but, like, because of, like, if you are in the countryside, is it just cheaper to have land and to have horses? Is it like a... Yeah, so in Devon, like, loads of people had horses. Uh, okay. Like, when we used to live in London... I took her to Richmond Park when she was three and she did a pony trek. That was the worst thing I ever did, right? Because yeah. from that day, that was all she wanted to do. We moved out into the countryside about seven years later and that was when she really got into it. But I'm from Leeds. I'm from a city. I didn't ride horses, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not... So Claire Balding, who I work with, obviously, um, yeah. is my horsey, you know, connection. I know yeah. nothing about horse, horses. So Claire, the other day, because I'd said to her, look, have you got any old kind of horses that can come be a friend for this horse, right? So she, <laughs> she loves a challenge like that. So she, within seconds, there was a horse being lined up to come over here, right, to be a friend. <laughs> so I said to her, how did this happen? I've gone from one to four. She said... You're upper middle class now. <laughs> oh, hello. I, said, no, I said, no, I said, Claire, I'm still that working class girl from Leeds. I'm not, you know, this is because you're right. The horsey world is really weird. You can have like, we go to shows where you've got people with these 200 grand horse lorries, right? And a fleet of horses. And then you've got somebody that looks like they've just nicked the van from down the road. The horse gets off and kind of, you know, and it's like held together with sellotape on its bridle. It's a completely, <laughs> just totally democratic in the sense of you, you don't know what you're going to get. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think yeah. when you're from a city, you just assume all people with horses are really rich but it's no. a kind of a countryside thing if you've got
got the space, you can have them, and it can. Yeah. You, like it's like anything, you can have a, an expensive horse a horse box or a, an yeah, old exactly. van. I once saw a horse being put in the back of a transit van near me to be moved somewhere. <laughs> I, I didn't think it would go, but it didn't seem bad. It, obviously, that is bad, isn't it? It's sort of animal cruelty to a point. But at the time, it just felt like, oh, that's quite impressive. Like getting a piano in there. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes you see vans at horse shows and you think, that I'm sure that used to be an ice cream van. And like, yeah. <laughs> do you find it scary watching her do the show jump? Is it show jumping you said she yeah. does? Do you find well, it you scary? What, between the pair of them, her jumping over like one metre 20 jumps and him smashing into people, you know, in rugby, I suppose I should be on the edge of my seat kind of feeling. Yeah. But I, I kind of, I kind of trust what they're doing, that they know what they do, you know, yeah. that they're, that they're yeah. okay. And that you, I don't think you could enjoy it. And, and, and I have to say, one of the great enjoyments in my life is is going to watch my kids do sport because mm. when you're doing your sport as a living you know like when you go and watch sport like i do to kind of talk about it, it it's not the same you know you're kind of doing it as a job but when i go watch them it's pure enjoyment for me so are you um, competitive on the sidelines though do you want them to win or do, or do you control it well when lois lois qualified for the nationals last year and all you can oh. hear in the background of kenny videoing her around when she she did brilliantly and then the middle fence of three came down and i went shit 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 <laughs> and it's just silence apart from me swearing in the background um, and with, with Ruben I'm like I try not to and then I just got you know I just get a bit excited sometimes you yeah. know like I get because it does you know you've got all the other parents on the touchline and you're kind of all going a bit or sidelines you're all going a bit mental and and the presence of Gabby and Kenny Logan also at a rugby match you guys are like you know, you watch proper rugby. You, you've got an international rugby player there. Well, Kenny goes off and watches on his own because he just, like, some of the chatter, you know, he goes, like, some of the things that he hears the parents saying, he just finds it all a bit like, oh, shut up. So he just walks off on his <laughs> own sometimes, which I think looks so rude. He just disappears yeah. and leaves us all. And I'm left then with, you know, everybody else who's just having a nice day out, you know. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but Ruben's plays for Wasps Academy, and there's been a couple of times where Kenny's been watching matches when he's playing for Wasps, where... There's been some dads who are all mums whose background in rugby isn't what Kenny's was, you know, yeah. and they have no idea that Kenny played rugby. And they'll turn around and say something to him, and Kenny will say, "Well, you know." And then later they come up and go, "I'm so sorry, I didn't know you." <laughs> <Yeah. were> actually... <laughs> and they're trying to like tell Kenny what's going on. Yeah, you know, he knows a lot. Yeah, he knows what's happening. It is uh, kind of strange, I think, for for Ruben sometimes, you know, because it, obviously at Wasps, Kenny played there for you know ten years, so. Mm. And have you ever seen, has Ruben ever had like a fight on the pitch or a bit of a, you know, in rugby, they sometimes kick off a bit. What's that like as a mum to watch that happen, even though he's this big six at five, like, bloke? I don't, I don't mind that so much. There was one match last year where he said something really sarcastic to the ref, which you, in rugby, you know, you don't back chat mm. the ref. The ref was having an absolute shocker, by the way. He was useless, right? <laughs> and, and apparently, according to some of the parents, smelt like he might have had a big night the night before. Oh, okay. um, so, um, so an absolute <laughs> legend today. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he got the scoreline wrong, and it was impossible. Oh. What he'd given was impossible for what had happened in the game. You know what I mean? Like he and yeah. um, Ruben went. So let's just add that up, or did something really sarcastic yeah. and kind of. And I could hear him, and I was going. Oh, at that point, the, the headmaster of the opposition school had stood next to me as well. So I was like, oh. oh he's going to say who's that horrible child I'm going to go it's my <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah they're, they're kind of big learning curves those things I think that sums up rugby that you can spend 80 minutes smashing someone <laughs> but if you make a sarcastic comment that is too far <laughs> So it, it sounds like they're both very talented athletes, you know, playing at Wasps and Nationals in the show jumping. How important is like the academic stuff? Do you know the, the sporting stuff? I genuinely, when they were little, I tried them to get them to play every instrument in the world. You know what I mean? I was like, I didn't want them to just feel they had just to choose sport as a kind mm. of passion in life. And all I wanted them to do was be interested in stuff. And so, um, and have something that they felt, you know, kind of that they wanted to commit to and give something to. So so I'm glad they both have and they both love their sport. But they also, Ruben's really good at drama. He's going to do drama GCSE and he's on about going to theatre school or drama school. If sport doesn't work out, he loves acting and stuff. Do so, you know what? If you're six foot five, there's going to be some good roles there. <laughs> well, I don't think so. I said to him, the only thing you can do is hope The Rock retires because that's literally <laughs> it. You know? <laughs> I said, you'll never, you'll never be a leading man. <laughs> no. so he's, he's, not ta he's not tapped out of growing yet. 
He they grow to the 21, don't you? Well, I keep telling him that he's finished. Um, and he said, you know, he's like, Mum, I'm going to keep going to it because we've got a friend locally who's a top policeman in the Met who's six foot nine. And he keeps telling me that he kept on growing, you know, beyond 15. And Ruben said, Mum, I think I've got my wisdom teeth through. Um, so, you know, that's it. I've stopped now because he doesn't want to. He wants to go to six, seven, right? That's his kind of, that's his optimum <laughs> That's height. his goal. Yeah. And so um, I said, oh, and then he came through the other night and he went, I think they're just molars, mum. I think they're just molars. <laughs> <laughs> um, but schoolwork is, you know, I said to them both, whatever happens in life, she's not, you know, being an international show jumper is not, uh, you know, it's a pipe dream. You know what I mean? You might as well try to say I want to be the queen. It's just yeah. so hard. So she's really, she's really academic and she wants to, go to university and she you know she's got kind of her dreams Ruben he doesn't love learning as much <laughs> let's say that but you know I said you just got to work hard and do the best you can and that's you know put as much in as you want out basically so with, yeah with twins do they feel like they're competing with each other like so one's more academic than the other or one's taller than the other or whatever yeah. Does, do they feel like they're being compared and is that was that kind of a thing that's you know until they were seven they were at the same school and we lived in london and we didn't move out so that they could go to separate schools there just happened to be a lot of single sex schools where we live and it was probably the best thing for them because every mm. parent's evening ruben was a bit of a as the scots would say a raj when he was at um, his <laughs> first school right so he was always in trouble and so parents evening was always 15 minutes on him and then two minutes at the end going yeah reading's going well you know and that was and so, <laughs> <laughs> and so actually and she also then used to start to kind of try and protect him a bit as well which was you know not her role yeah. she didn't have to do that at school so so going to separate schools was great and always there was one moment where Ruben brought a couple of lads back from school when he was about nine and I went into his bedroom he was with the boys and I said oh Lois will be home soon and one of the boys went who's Lois and I went how long have you known Reuben? And this kid went two years. I went, and you never mentioned you've got a twin sister. And, and, <laughs> and this, this boy went, you've got a twin sister. Like, it's such a boy thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so it's quite nice for them to have had that not being compared all the time. Yeah. You know? mm. And they go in swings and roundabouts in terms of like who, you know, popularity and all that kind of stuff. They kind of be a bit, they're a bit competitive about sometimes, but, um, but actually they're really lovely with each other. And, you know, they kind of got a, a nice, healthy... When I say competitiveness, I mean, there's, there's four of us competing in this house, not just those two. So, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's in the gene, that's in the blood more than anything. <laughs> and they're, you know, they're kind of... They'll say things to me like, what did you get for your maths GCSE again? <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> what, what are board games like in, in your house? Um, is it, is it, yeah, does it get competitive? Into, yeah, they usually descend into kind of some kind of fight that, you know, um, <laughs> we're better off playing with other families, you know, mixing the families up than doing yes, it. Yes, that's a good way of doing it. Yeah. And um, then was, was Ruben quite big for his age growing up? Did he always look older than his sister, even though yeah. they were twins? Because he was yeah, so big. They the same weight at birth. And amazingly, they came out at six pounds each, which I, was, I thought was incredible that they were the same weight because yeah. the way along, they told me that the one on top, that was Lois, was bigger and the one on the bottom was smaller. And he came out first and he was um, he was six pounds. She was six pounds, just about on the nose. And then suddenly, literally within three months, he trebled his birth weight. So by, wow. yeah, he was 18 pounds after three months. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind, he should have been a stone at birth, you know. That, that was... <laughs> yeah, he would have been gone. <laughs> he saved me all sorts of aggro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> coming with a partner. So, um, yeah, he was always really big. And that, you know what it's like with toddlers? When, like, even a ball pit or something with two of them, people thought that he was five when he was two, you know, and they yeah. go, tell they your son more. to yeah. stop doing that. I'm like, he's two. Are you try telling him. I don't know. Yeah. And they go, two? You know, so... <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of for a while, and people expected so much more from him than he was capable of. And even, you know, as a boy, he was always behind her in terms of developmental things. He didn't walk till he was 18 months. She was, like, 11 months or something. Mm. He didn't even bother crawling. He just did this commando thing, you know, where he just scooped his arm Drag <laughs> and kind of dragged his... <laughs> Dragged himself around. <laughs> so, um, he so does they... sound like some sort of sporting experiment. Like... <laughs> does he? And he, he must get to the age now where, when I was fifteen, I had no hope of getting served in a pub. <laughs> but he presumably can go anywhere, right? Remember, eat out to help out last year. Yeah. Right. He got. Um, he had a girlfriend, first girlfriend. Right. I'm not going to say too much about that. It's his private life, right? <laughs> but they went out to an eat out to help out locally. Yeah. This pub. And they gave them the drinks menu, right? So bless him. When he came in, he was honest. He said, Dad, I had a pint. So Kenny went, what? He went, well, they gave me the drinks menu. So I just said, and he said, and I remembered what I'd heard when we went out for dinner last week and somebody said they had a Foster's. I went, I'll have a Foster's. And so, <laughs> so, 
journey afterwards. Thank God he didn't just start going through the gins. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I'll have, uh, yeah, I'll try your London. Yeah, that looks lovely. That dry gin, and then we'll go on to the vodkas. So yeah, clearly from last summer, that has not good. That is not going to be a problem. So you've got to be then yeah. have the, the conversation changes, doesn't it? But do you, you know what, Gabby? He can't get drunk at that size. You're going to be fine. <laughs> There's no way he's ever going to get drunk. <laughs> It's nice though that he told you because a lot of kids wouldn't have been honest. So it's a nice relationship where he can come home and say that he did that and it'd be like an interesting thing to talk about rather than be scared to tell you or keep it a secret and keep going. So that, you know, yeah. I mean, that's a good way. A that's point. pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, it's a plus point that you're, you know, your 14 year old's ordering pints, you know. <laughs> the, um, you're at an interesting stage because you've got twins and they're at 15 and they're going to be leaving in about three or four years. How does that, does that, do you think about that? How does a that lot, feel? A lot, because um, especially, you know, we're coming up now to the summer where this, they're telling me all the time, mum, this is the summer of our lives. This, you've got, this summer you've got to just like, you know, release control. We're going to go to festivals. You're not, mate. <laughs> there aren't going to be any. Um, <laughs> and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm not something micromanagers, I'm not a helicopter, but of course I want to know what's going on. You know what I mean? I'm not like going, mm. just, just go out into the wilderness for, for days on end and, you know, um, and have co frank conversations about the dangers of drugs and alcohol and everything. And so you've got all those things going, and then you think there's two more years and then they're off to university and then they make all kinds of stupid decisions, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. do things that they want to do. So, um, so at the moment you're trying to kind of feed in stuff that you hope is going to give them you know, a good grounding when they leave, but also at the same time thinking it's going to be so quiet. It's going yeah, to be really weird. And, you know, why didn't I have more children, you know, beating Kenny's chest? Why didn't you let me have more kids? <laughs> <laughs> You've got the horses, so you'll have to look after those horses, aren't you? I oh, know, they're going. Uh, <laughs> she, won't, she won't let me look after those. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I genuinely, friends of mine have had later babies, so they've got like older ones, and then they've gone and had one in their yeah. early 40s, mid 40s. And I, I'm slightly envious of, of that kind of, you know, having yeah. somebody coming yeah. through, coming up the rear. <laughs> your, yeah. your podcast, The Midpoint, yes. which I was like, well, this doesn't apply to me. And then I listened. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the age range, Gabby. <laughs> I'm middle-aged. You drew the, the bottom line at 35. Are you having me? Are you no, kidding it, me? The Economic and Social Research Council did that, Josh, not me. So. <laughs> So, so the podcast is interviewing people in middle age about how they feel. Midlife. Midlife. Sorry, okay. sorry. Then the, the lineup is mind. It was like a list of people I've thought, oh, we should get them on. So you've got some <laughs> great people. You've got uh, Richard Osman, uh, Mariella Frostrup, Denise Lewis, Catelyn Moran, Michael Johnson, the sprinter. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, Stiff Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stiff Back Johnson. Did he sit yeah. Stiff Back in the Zoom chat? <laughs> Right, so he's stiff back, here he goes. So I work with him all the time, right? So I'm sitting, he's, he, his office in Malibu, right, in his house, he, he literally sat up on his chair and behind him, he had two glass shelves and on it, the only things on it were Olympic gold medal, a gold Nike running spike and two BAFTAs, right? That was all his shelves, right? And I actually said to him, I said, because the thing about working with Michael Johnson, right, he never wastes a word. He will talk for two minutes, but there is never a superfluous sentence or any grammatical kind of, you know, mistakes or ums and ahs. And I said, your shelf sums you up. You're, you're, you're just precision. You know, that is, yeah. this, this is me, some gold medals and some BAFTAs. That's all you have. <laughs> yeah. I did running and then I did broadcasting and I was the best of both of them. Yeah, Here they are. Exactly. What do you want to know about my life? <laughs> but he had a stroke in midlife. I mean, Michael Johnson, oh, wow. you know, oh, the fittest wow. man in the world. And he didn't even, you know, didn't realise what it was. He came out of the gym and his arm was spontaneously moving and, and he rang. <laughs> when he told me the story the first time, I was, I couldn't help laughing. He said, so I rang the Michael Johnson Performance Centre. <laughs> 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 As you do. And, yeah. uh, and spoke to the top doctor and the top doctor told him, get to a hospital. And if he hadn't gone to oh, hospital God. at that point and gone home and gone to sleep, which was his natural inclination, yeah. he'd be dead, basically. Whoa. Or he'd be so oh. badly paralysed that he would not be doing what he does now, which is he's back jogging and, you know, everything. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Wow. I never knew that. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So that well, was... Yeah, I'm definitely going to listen to the podcast. That's the best advert for a podcast <laughs> inside a podcast. I'm actually hosting my podcast and I will stop doing this to, to listen. <laughs> You've absolutely done me. Oh, can I ask about Richard Osman as well? Yes. Did you, do, did you do it in a studio with him or did you do it over Zoom and online? No, do you know when we did it actually in the offices of my agents in Chiswick? Uh. It, was, it was in the period where you could meet up with about, I'd say a quarter I've managed to physically be with people. 
Oh, that's okay then, because I asked him to do our one and he said, no, sorry, I can't. I haven't got the right setup at home. It has uh, to be a studio. So, so he wanted to I, wait. I, I, I just wanted to make sure he went lying. So you, you're not interested in what's in it. You just wanted to make sure that Yeah, yeah, just the booking process, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what, TV and being tall, probably, is it? <laughs> he said to me, how tall's your son? Good, I'm in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, in fact, he was, he was five foot nine at 35, um, Richard Osman, and he sort of, he grew later. One of Kenny's best friends and teammates from Wasps and England, well, Kenny didn't play for England, obviously, but British and Irish Lions, he um, was five foot nine at 16 and six foot nine at 17. Wow. Uh, yeah, and I said to him, what was that year like? <laughs> what happened in that year? He said, I come home from school and literally, um, and this is visual here, but he said his sleeve of his shirt would just be coming back to kind of like every day. It would be <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and he'd have like to big. come down after school for an hour and a half because his bones were aching so much. And because oh, of any sport, he was just, completely, yeah. you know, and, then he, and at the end of it, like the Incredible Hulk, he just got some new clothes and got on with his sporting career. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> out of growing. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's mad, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, would you consider me and Rob to be part of the mid? Uh, what was what was the, what the, was the term? podcast called? Midpoint. Yeah, but what was the term I, I, you used? Mid... I only used midlife because middle age. I said middle age used to sound like it was beige, wasn't it? Middle age. Yeah. Mm. It's never a term of. It's never a compliment that when you say that. Yeah. Oh, you're so middle aged. And so the reason I started it, completely self-serving, was obviously a bit like you two, you know, with your <laughs> yeah. damn parenting, was just to kind of go, okay, what is this? What does it mean physically? What's happening to us? You know, yeah. what, what's what's going to happen to us? And and also wanting to feel like I was I was inside as kind of vibrant and energetic as I've ever been, but outside clearly changing. And so wanting to meet people that are doing good stuff in their midlife as well. I mean, like mm. Richard's a great example. You know, he didn't appear on telly till he was forty. It's pointless. Mm. I think it was thirty-nine or whatever. And he's just he's just produced one of the best-selling books of all time, nearly fifty. You know, so you can have lots of different, do lots of different. I mean, obviously, he's a, an exceptional character, but mm. you can do more than one thing. You can change your mind about what you want to do and pursue something else. So, and did being in midlife creep up on you? Did you? Did yes. You, yes. <laughs> It truly did. I when did you realise? Um, well, about a year and a half ago, I'd had a moment where I kind of went like that. You know, when you walk past a window or a mirror or a reflection, yeah. and I saw something different, you know, and I was kind of, because we're in this business, right? You get lit well, you have makeup artists, you know, you've got people telling you you look great. Yeah, you look great, you know. Yeah. And there was this one moment where I just saw kind of what probably other people see. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I am older. And I really, you know, and then I started looking at myself physically thinking, Oh, and you know, I've noticed like when I have a, like a really good Christmas, I'm, one one run's not going to get rid of it anymore, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or and you, and all that stuff just started. My metabolism feels like it's slowing down, and and also I started to feel a bit grumpy about things. And I was like, I don't want to be a grumpy old woman, you know. Yeah. I, I, that's yeah. not where I'm heading. So, what is that about? And that is all to do with hormones, because all your happy hormones start to leave you. So you um, you become you know you potential to become a bit angrier, which um, Kathleen Moran she was on the podcast she likes because she said it makes her feel more like her male colleagues. <laughs> so she's like kind of she goes this is why they've all got ISAs and second homes. <laughs> so I wanted to understand a bit more about that and um, and see you know whether. Can you exercise your way out of it? No. Can you, no. you know, can you eat yourself out of it? No. What is well, some sometimes it's just being kind of accepting, isn't it, of what's gonna happen. Mm. And it, it must be your teenagers must see you as from a different generation. Do you know what I mean? I like if I think about when I was fifteen, I mean no offense in this, Gabby, but my parents <laughs> felt like I like incomparable different age to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you you just don't I, my parents had me quite young. They're in their early 20s. Mm. So they were still kind of going out a lot, you know, because they're only in their late 30s. So yeah. when I was 17. But my kids, because I was 10 years older than that, I was 32 when I had them. So they, they just, there's some things where they're just rude, you know, like you, you just don't understand. I mean, you, how could you possibly understand? You didn't even have Snapchat, you know, it's like. Yeah. <laughs> And then other things they're they're like slightly more kind and benevolent about because they kind of you know want to understand what 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 did you eat you know they'll say things like that what did you have for dinner what was your and they were what asking, a normal amount compared to you mate yeah, well they were asking Kenny this question last night because Kenny grew up on a farm in Scotland and they were like well, what kind of things because last night I made this incredible tofu vegan dinner right and they went Dad I bet you never had anything like this on the farm did you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, it is, it is strange. And you have to, I'm lucky, I think in a way working in sport, I deal with all these young sports people all the time, these footballers who are like 20, 21. And sometimes you think, Oh, am I a dinosaur to them? But they look at me and think, who's the old lady coming on, you know, being wheeled <laughs> on to interview me. So I, having the kids, my kids, sometimes a good kind of prism as to kind of what is going on, you know. Yeah, and it brings you back. I, th I find that. I think, when, like I said before, when you have kids, you sort of, your pop culture references fall out your head because yeah. you just see BBs, you know, getting them fed, yeah. getting them to nursery. But then once they get to teenagers, you actually, you sort of catch up with all your friends that didn't have kids because you get to learn about it from teenagers and we, whether it's TikTok or Snapchat or this or that. Things it's like so that. funny. When Kenny and Ruben go up to Coventry, which is where Wasp's training is, so it's like an hour and a half journey for them after school and stuff. So on the way there, Ruben gets to play his music right which kenny describes it uh, uh, swear word uh, swear word uh. <laughs> i think dad to describe music like that for a hundred years <laughs> <laughs> on the way back it's it's freestyle so they can kind of like choose a track each but but yeah. Ruben, because he's now trained he's quite happy to play sweet caroline or a bit of oasis you know what i mean yeah. on the way home it's, that's fine or a bit of fleet with mac it's okay and kenny's always like oh the journey home's so much nicer <laughs> But I, do you know what? That's better than... I, I wouldn't want to be one of those parents that's trying to be down yeah. with their kids. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. Um, and you said before you like it would have been nice to have another other kids and stuff like that. Um, was that a consideration? Do you, do you, you know, would you want more? Cause were they for IVF as well? Is that right? You had them for yeah, IVF? Yeah, they were. And so um, being candid, we had more blastocysts than, you know, so you have to put them on ice and you mm. decide whether you're going to have another baby and which is a really to decide you know in that way it's it's such a kind of pressure-filled conversation to have you know so when you've got two toddlers running around at 18 months what kind of maniac is going to go and volunteer to put you know yeah. <laughs> another couple of eggs back in <laughs> so, so, at that point we're both in this stupid mindset as new parents often are when it gets back to normal and of course what yeah, you realize yeah. when they're 17 is it never gets back to normal you know or 15 it's not it, that doesn't happen so when they were about 10, we had to have a really serious conversation about it because that's when you're, they're supposed to no longer be frozen, you know. And, um, and we even we kind of walked to the pub in the village and we sat down and we kind of like, you know, what should we do? And at that point, I, you know, I was probably in my early 40s and I just felt like I was too far from having them, you know, like it felt mm. like too big a gap. And, um, and so we didn't. And, and then Kenny, just about a year ago, on one of those days, you know, in those days where everything's great, and the kids are great, and it's all good and life's great. And he went, we should have had more. I always thought I'd have four or five because I'm one of four and Kenny's yeah. one of three. And you know, when you, your experience is growing up or what you think you're going to yeah. have. But um, we do often thank our lucky stars because Kenny's business partner had, um, he's got triplets and one <gasps> is a girl and the other two are twin boys. So the egg split in the womb. So um, we often say, imagine if Ruben's egg had split, we'd be bankrupt. So, Triplets. Was what was the moment when you found out it was twins like? Really lovely. Yeah, it was really oh. amazing. Yeah, because because we just wanted to be pregnant, so it was like kind yeah. of we just wanted to say there's a there's a beating heart there, you know. So yeah. to say yeah. there's two, um, and we didn't tell anybody it was twins for ages because we just quite, couldn't quite believe our luck, you know. So we wanted to wait yeah. till we got to our first proper scan because obviously with IVF you're starting to get pregnant 10 weeks before you get pregnant so it's the longest pregnancy ever it's like an elephant you know so you go yeah. back kind of almost a year so because you start having the drugs and doing all the tests and all of that so yeah. so it's um so it's a long old time while yeah. you've been on that journey before you even tell anybody so oh, was it a tough yeah. process going through it all obviously it works out well because you you got your, your, your two kids but was it is it, is it quite tough Do you know i think you said it at the very beginning about a sports person's mindset. And I think we both kind of had that, you know, attitude towards it. So we tried to say, right, okay, if this doesn't work this time, then, you know, and, and it, so it's tough in as much as, you know, you put your body through a bit. And actually the interesting thing about midpoint is I've discovered if you go through IVF, which some of your listeners might be and might, you know, might be thinking about, you can have your uh, menopause earlier because you've, you've, you've mixed up your hormones and stuff. Yeah. And so I didn't know any of that, you know, because you kind of only read the bits you want to read, don't you? Yeah, you, know, you don't, you don't kind of take in everything. Um, and so it was, it wasn't, it wasn't hard. Cause I think there are a lot harder things to go through in life. It was, it was just not the way we thought it was going to happen, you know, cause we yeah. were like two mm. healthy people going, well, what's, and there wasn't anything wrong. We were told we had inexplained infertility. So you're like, what does that mean? Oh, just keep going. I was like, I'm not going to keep going forever. You know? So obviously yeah, yeah. then you start going down a medical road, which you don't think, you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's fascinating though, because it's like, it's something that wasn't talked about as much as it should have been. Do you know what I mean? In the last maybe 
20 years, it's really opened up as a subject, which is just people are much more comfortable talking about, which I think yeah, is really I good. Think, I think it's really interesting as well. When I, I got a phone call from the Sun newspaper within about 10 minutes of leaving the hospital for my first scan, saying, we hear you're expecting twins. And I went, what? Oh. And so, and then the, the first question that the journalist said was, um, uh, asked was, um, are there twins in your family? And the inference was obviously that she knew that it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. kind of, because yeah. she could easily find out there are no twins in my family, you know? And so, yeah, yeah. and I, I made the decision at that moment that I wasn't going to hide the IVF because I felt like I was so grateful to the incredible people who'd helped me get to this stage that I didn't want to kind of, you know, I wasn't embarrassed by it and I was quite happy to talk about it because it felt like a natural process, as unnatural as it kind of is. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Of course. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people have come up to me over the years and people, famous people, you know, people that you'd know who, oh, I had it, you know, but they've never talked about it. And I think there was this stigma almost that you're not quite complete or you're not quite right if you can't do it. Do you know what I mean? If yeah, you can't, yeah. And I think that's, hopefully, that's gone now and people don't feel like, you know, yeah, I think so. I feel like it used to be thought of like that, but I'd never think of it like that. It just seems like, oh, that's just a, if, if it's not quite happening there, you just change that and then that happens. It's sort of like the same way as you would if you had a bad knee. Yeah. And it, like, you, you yeah. need to get you adjusted. Up. Some medicine yeah. to help. No one would go, oh, look, walking about, but not the normal, like the natural <laughs> way with your knee. Oh, I want to be to limp. <laughs> We do do those kind of jokes on the last lag, actually, Rob. So. <laughs> That's your gig. I, I apologise. Um, it's funny you, you like this. I um, when the kids were about, we decided not to tell the kids until they were old enough to actually comprehend what that means. Because, right, yeah. you know, you, it wasn't a, it wasn't like we were lying. We didn't say one night your dad and I got together. <laughs> but we thought if they don't even know what procreation, you know, what it is to actually yeah, have a course. baby, how can they get their head around doing it a different way? So once they started to have sex education at school and started to know or thought they knew what was going on when they're about 10 or 11 um we were driving up to see some friends up on the Wirral and we got we were kind of somewhere on the m6 let's say nuts for services right and um, <laughs> i'm picturing nutsford. it i'm picturing it i'm there <laughs> about of all the service stations that talk about ivf nutsford <laughs> we were still in the car and i turned around and i said guys i something i want to tell you that you know that i think you should know and um and so i told them right Honestly, the way they reacted, you'd have thought I told them that I was mainlining heroin on an evening, right? They kind of, <laughs> they literally were like, what? 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 And, and the movement said, what, are we adopted as well? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> And I, they really kind of blew it out of all proportion. They kind of like, you know, made it very dramatic. And um, I said, guys, it's really, you know, and, and then Ruben went, hang on a minute. And he named a couple of other kids. He went, I bet they are too. And I was, like, I was like, what? He went, yeah, yeah, I bet they are as well. I said, right, okay, maybe I've gone too soon with this conversation, right? Yeah. So we got to the So how old were they at this point? They were about 12 or 11, 12, right. right? They knew what IVF was, but, or they thought yeah. they did, right? So we explained it all. And then they were kind of fine about it. And I started turning it into a kind of, we really wanted you. We kind of had to choose, really choose. Yeah, yeah. An accident, you know, and all yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, proof you're not an accident. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we get to our friend's house and three of my um, three friends, three daughters were there. And I saw them run straight over to the girls. And there's this deep conversation. And they came back and they went, yeah, we've told the girls. We told them we're IVF. And I went, oh, right, okay. I said, what did they say? And they went, they're not bothered. <laughs> no, they, they wouldn't be. It's really, and so they, they laugh about it now because like, they've done obviously a lot more um, in biology and things and they kind of understand it. That's, oh, that's amazing, isn't it? Uh, well, I suppose it, it feels like a big bit of news, but in a way it's a complete non-bit of news. Exactly, that, yeah. was, that was, yeah, the point. For me, obviously, I felt like it was going to be, I was broaching this big topic with them but actually they were quite fine without it. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really the once you've got the, the, the required result, IVF sort of like a non-conversation, really. It's, a, it's only a real sort of thing to think about and At be concerned time. about. Yeah, during the process. So, yeah, yeah it's quite funny. They're like, yeah, we've got to tell you something. <laughs> They're telling everyone. <laughs> so, We're IVF guys. I'm so disappointed you haven't asked me about, I was listening to Mark Watson telling you about some kind of bad parenting, like when his, pr his pram fell off the train and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, let's don't oh, go. Uh, go, go for it, Gary. Because I thought, okay, because also you've talked a lot about, you know, Ruben sport and all that, and it makes it sound like, you know, everything's going really well, right? Okay, yeah. so I just, I don't want to leave anybody listening to this thinking that, you know, that it was always thus. And uh, yeah. having twins, obviously you have a lot of challenges. Um, of course. Yeah. It's tiring and you know, you know how tiring kids are. Um, and I, so my pram incident was a good one. I was walking along Barnes High Street where we lived at the time and I stopped at Cafe Nero and I got Lois out and I was holding the double pram and then I was just looking at the menu or something and let go of the pram with Ruben in it, right? And there was a slight slope on the pavement, right? 
which I hadn't noticed. And um, the pram obviously took off towards the main road, right? There was a, 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 I would declare a 17-ton lorry coming around the corner. Oh, my word. This guy appeared from nowhere, right? It was November, everybody's in coats and hats. He was wearing a T-shirt and jeans and was totally incongruous on the high street. You know, he just didn't look like, calls the pram off, like, you know, gets the pram before it hits the road and just gives me it back in a very calm way and walked off. Never said a word, right? Just, <sighs> I just stood there like in shock because oh I- Oh my God. I know, I still went in and had a coffee, which to this day, I'm not sure was a good- Well, you needed it, mate, <laughs> yeah. you needed it. Everybody in the coffee shop had just seen me nearly lose a child to the road. Oh, you know? oh my God. God. And, um, yeah, but that came flashing back when I was listening to that. I was yeah. like, oh my God, I had a pram moment too. <laughs> yeah. You do um, have, you have them and you forget, don't you, until yes. people spark your memory. And one time, oh. um, the better one actually was when he once pulled another person's pram over Ruben he was I left him next to a pram in the park he turned around and he pulled the other pram over because he oh was like God. quite strong and the poor child was like kind of like struggling to get out of his pram. <laughs> and the mother came running and said your child just pulled my child's pram over <laughs> sorry he's only a year old I don't know how he did that <laughs> um Gabby we always like to end by asking um well, shall I ask it, Rob? Why yeah, you go for it, Josh. You know what the question it's, is by now. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm across. The, I'm across the format, aren't I? <laughs> um, what uh, is there anything that your husband does, parenting-wise, that annoys you, but you you haven't had the kind of guts or the reason to bring up to their face? But if you said it now. It'd be a good way if he listened to this for him to find out. See, after 15 years, I, I, you know, I'm pretty much tell Kenny when he does something wrong on a yeah. daily basis. Yeah, I can't ever imagine you not. Well, from working with you, Gabby, I can't imagine you biting your tongue if you, if you think something needs to happen. But, but one of the things that recently I've kind of been quite, because um, he's Kenny has become, and it's lockdown that's done it to him. Right, I like a clean, tidy house. Don't get me wrong, right? Yeah, but he yeah. has become obsessed. Like you know, just like the, there can never be anything out of place, and he loves to get the dustbuster out. He's dustbusting, and he's like, he's all the time doing stuff like that. Kind of, I'm like, just calm down a bit. Just calm down a bit. You know, just like, like let's just let let something kind of happen. You know, if yeah. a pair of boots don't make it to the boot room within 20 seconds, you know, there's kind <laughs> of like, so um, and he's and he's because the fury has kind of like you know overtaken. Oh. And so I've had to kind of like recently just go, look, you've got to like learn. There's a sliding scale of things that kids do right uh, that is kind of you know and this is really not up there at the moment with teenagers no. this is yeah. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> they're in lockdown they're learning on computers all day long i'm prepared to let the shoes go for, yeah. for a minute here and let's just you know um so yeah that's if he's listening just let it go yeah I, okay. they could what? be in a park with cider couldn't they <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think there is a point where i think tidiness during lockdown is a real outlet for frustration do you know what yeah. i mean I find myself getting annoyed with mess when I wouldn't have before, but I suppose it's because you're in the house all the time. You see it, don't yeah. you? And you see also what you see is broken stuff all the time. Last night, 10 o'clock, he's got a miner's lamp on and he's screwing the, 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 the dishwasher. I was like, what are you doing? He went, the door's not shutting how it used to. I was like, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> and you wouldn't care, would you, if you're out and about places? Like, oh, God. Yeah. So, so everything's got, everything has to be kind of but right. He, yeah, well, I suppose he's like, you know, he, uh, you know, I know he's got business now and stuff of the, the uh, but he, like that outlet of playing rugby and that, that yeah. big, you know, when you've got, gone such high adrenaline things, and even I notice it not gigging, I don't have my outlet or I can, if whatever's happened that day, I can just get on stage and then just let it out in that routine and, and those jokes and stuff. So, yeah, that's what I find. And I am, I'm very running. lucky because sport's been going on. So I yeah. get out of the house and I come in and he'll say things like, what do people say? Any yeah. conversations? Yeah. <laughs> what are they wearing now? What are they doing their hair now? I cooked, I cooked dinner last night and Lou was like next to me as I was cooking dinner. I was like, so she have a good day? She went, yeah. And then that, was literally, it, what it feels like is, imagine if like, and it's because of lockdown, but it feels like, you know, like, you know, a relationship doomed and there's nothing left to say to each other. But the, the, the reason for that is lockdown. But, you know, imagine if that was like that during the, I was like, she went, shall I just go watch the telly? Went, yeah, just go watch the telly. Uh, like, we've literally got, no, no one's done anything to talk about. We started learning chess the other night. I said, right, let, we neither of us know how to play. Let's sit yeah. down, right, and do this. And we went on some website where you had to play against the, 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 the computer basically to learn 
And um, and Kenny started getting like really, you know, the person we were playing against was in America. He's going, he's thinking, look at these mavericks with their moves. And I'm like, no, I don't think he is actually. I think he's thinking those two are rubbish. <laughs> and he was so into it. And I thought, oh, he's, he's like, he needs like some kind of outlet. He's like, yeah. Yeah. competitive chess is not going to replace rugby, mate. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gabby, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you yeah, for having brilliant. me. Gabby Logan there, Joshua. Love Gabby Logan. Always been a fan of Gabby Logan. Whenever you work with her, she's so much fun and she always kind of... She brings an energy. Yeah, she's a really... She, that's what I was saying, because like, I didn't want her to sound like she's some sort of, like, boring robot broadcaster when she's so on it and knows exactly what she's doing. But she's just so professional, but she is fun. Like, when yeah. you do... I, I bump into it, those corporate things. She is, like, having a right laugh about all the people that are there and stuff. She's quite, yeah. she's quite a good value. Are you slagging all the people off, are you, Rob? Oh, let's face it. A thousand people in a room. You've got 200 dickheads, surely. <laughs> oh, bare minimum, mate. 400. <laughs> Whatever room you're in, what's the percentage? If, if you go to a gig and you like the band, you ate half the people there. <laughs> um, she's great, isn't she, Gabby? Her son sounds like an absolute whopper. Yeah, I know. You wanted to go, but you can't. You can't say the words. Could I see a picture of your 15 year old son? That's too. <laughs> but you, you kind of want to, right? <laughs> yeah. Can, please send me a picture of your giant child, please. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't fancy my daughter show jumping though. Oh. God. Oh, every jump. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, did, were you good at rugby at school? No, I was just fat. <laughs> I hated rugby the so worst, much. You know what the worst thing about being an overweight teenager is people go... Put in the scrum. No, they go, do you play rugby? No, I don't. But you're saying that because I'm a fat boy. <laughs> you're assuming I play because I'm fat. We, didn't, we never played rugby at my school. We played it like once and there was a load of fights. They just made us do basketball, ping pong or football. Ping pong. Didn't even. That's the only sports I did at school. I never wow. did anything else. We did cricket for an afternoon, but everyone used to just field on the boundary and smoke in the woods. Wow. <laughs> Do you feel like you're beyond being young now? Yes. So I still think of myself as like the new young comedian kid, but I'm not yeah. anymore. I've no, been I've been doing that's... it for like what is it? Tw uh, Twelve, thirteen years now. And yeah. I looked in the mirror the other day, and I've got a craggy little eyes. <laughs> but I don't want to be. The problem is, because I'm the smiley, young, excitable comedian. How do you I'm segue worried... that into middle age? That, that's a tough segue. Before you know it, it you're Joe Pasquale, mate. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, but oh, God. But he's, but he's gone the other way. He started to wear leather jackets and get tattoos. What? Have you not seen him? I'm not across Joe Pasquale, really. Google Joe Pasquale topless. I'm not falling for that again. <laughs> Uh, he looks great, though. Well done to him. He's got absolutely hench. But I don't know what I'm going to do, Josh. I've grown a beard, which I think is quite a good middle yeah. ground because you don't want to be fresh-faced. Trying yeah. to continually be fresh-faced comedian is a tough ask. Like, yeah. you know, and uh, who's doing that still? Russell Howard's doing it well still, but he's yeah. got ripped. He's had his eyes done and his teeth done. He's sort of... He's at this stage now, Russell Howard, where, like, he looks incredible, doesn't he? Yeah. But I think a beard would set him off lovely now. Yeah, but it's all right for you. You can grow a beard. My beard's too patchy, too Is rubbish. It? Yeah. No, I just it's hard to be fresh faced so, comedian forever. So you're gonna you're gonna have a dark middle stage to your career then? I've just been watching the Tiger Woods documentary about his downfall and then the the, the, I'm the resurgence. Can't wait. He is a complicated man. Well, do you know what? Yeah, we'll we'll wait for Gabby to interview Tiger Woods because he is. Um, but we we're always here if you want to talk about you know parenting Tiger. We are here, right? See, see you on Tuesday, people. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.